This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is useful. Welcome to another episode of the Equity Mate Summer Series, proudly brought to you by Superhero. Over 12 episodes, we're deep diving into some of the most exciting, interesting, and well known companies from both here in Australia and over in the US. In some instances, we'll be hearing directly from the CEOs to give you firsthand insight into their companies. My name is Bryce, and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How are you going? I'm very good, Bryce. Very excited for this episode. Uh, this is a company that uh, we've heard a little bit about uh, on uh, mainly on Ausbiz when we uh, host our show there this year, and we thought it was time we spoke about it because it is, to my mind, one of the most fascinating companies. Super fascinating. It's gained a lot of momentum in the Equity Mates community, and that company is Calix. Uh, the, the ticker is CXL, and we're going to go through what Calix does, why there's a big buzz in the Equity Mates community, uh, a bit about the industry that it's operating in, financials, future prospects, and we are lucky enough to be able to speak with the CEO of the company uh, at the end of this in, at the end of this episode. But before we jump into that. A reminder that the summer series is brought to you by Superhero. Superhero allows you to buy Aussie and US shares and ETFs with no monthly account fees. And you can now earn Qantas points with Superhero. So visit superhero.com.au slash Qantas to learn more. Eligibility criteria, terms and conditions and fees and charges apply. And a reminder as well that you can still win $1,000 in a Superhero wallet by listening to this episode and uh, taking out your favorite uh, fact or quote, and then um, posting it on the corresponding post on our Instagram for this episode. So check out the Calyx post and uh, just drop in the comments what your favorite fact about this episode was, and we'll uh, select a winner for $1,000. We're giving away $12,000 this summer. It's pretty decent. Yeah. Thanks to Superhero. Thanks to Superhero. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, Bryce, this might not be my favorite fact, but it is definitely my favorite tagline. And not just my favorite tagline in this episode, but of every company around the world, I have never come across a better tagline. And if people find better taglines, DM the Equity Mates account because I want to hear it. What about ours in, um, from beginning to dividend? Every investor needs an equity mate. Yeah. Uh, no, this is better. <laughs> this is better. We've got to up our game, but I don't think we can beat it. Calix's tagline, because Mars is for quitters. Epic. Take that, Elon Musk. <laughs> yeah. But if that doesn't sum up a mission statement... Uh, and have a bit of fun while doing it and troll the ultimate troll in Elon Musk, then I don't know what it does. But for me, I hear that and I get G'd up about the company. Absolutely. And to understand the origins of that tagline and what it actually means to the company and how it drives their ethos uh, and their sort of direction into the future, we're lucky enough to be hearing from Phil, uh, the CEO, later the, uh, in this episode where he will actually explain it all. Now, uh, Bryce, I said I was excited. This is also a little bittersweet because 
you have this running joke here at Equity Mates that I try and buy every company that we ever hear an expert talk about on the show. <laughs> it's and not a joke. <laughs> it's not far from the truth. Like I get excited very easily about some of these companies and a lot of the time with good reason. Yeah. Um, but this was one that we first heard about in Oz, on AusBiz uh, probably like March, April this year, like early this year. Yeah. Shout out to Henry Jennings from Marcus Today who uh, first brought it to our attention yeah. and it got me excited. Yeah. I was like, it is solving a big problem um, and it sounds interesting, Yeah. but I didn't buy it. Devo. It's up 600% in the last 12 months. <laughs> you hate to see it. But, you um, hate to see it. I hate to see it. 600% in the last 12 months. A lot of that uh, a lot of that gain would have actually come after Henry popped yeah. it on Ausbiz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so Henry's probably sitting pretty Henry's, yeah. on a nice little gain there. Um, if that's not a reason to keep listening to Equity Mates, I don't know what is. But this episode, let's focus not so much on the financials and the last 12 months because like that's exciting but for me the technology goes a little bit over my head but from what I can understand and the problem that it's trying to solve this is a really a really interesting company so let's start at the beginning and talk about the core technology which has sort of spun off a number of products talk to me about kilns the kiln what was fascinating is we asked Phil this question and uh I'm not going to ruin his answer later in the episode but uh in essence, he just said what they've built is a kiln that heats things in different ways. Uh, as a result of that, as a result of the the kiln that they've invented to be able to, I guess, uh, heat, they can now withdraw all of the CO2 that is captured in huge industrial processes. And we'll get into some of the products and industries that they're, they're in at, at the moment. But at essence, in essence, what they've been able to do is yeah, invent this amazing kiln that uh, has incredible impact on um, sustainability and being able to reduce a lot of, um, you know, these emissions that go into industrial processes. Yeah, you might look at Calyx and look at the set of products that it has and be a little bit confused because it's, it seems to have its finger in a number of different pies. It's in energy storage and batteries, wastewater, agriculture, cement, a whole bunch of different industries. Steel was a big one. Steel, yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, it can be somewhat confusing to say, like, what's the common theme here that ties all of these products together? And it is this kiln. This kiln is the central technology that basically is a new new way to process material to heat and, and then it spins off a number of, uh, they call them nanoactive materials, but I guess like small particles that can be used for a bunch of different things. It captures the CO2 and, and it is sort of the the linchpin, I guess, or the, the central technology that, that underpins Calyx. Yeah. So from there, it produces a number of different products. Yes. Cement being the main one. Yeah. Cement being the main one, um, which I'm about to go deep on well, the cement industry. Yeah, I think let's do it. I think because it's easy to get confused in the technology that they've got. They're, you know, pretty intelligent guys over there and there's a lot of... Um, jargon I would guess but let's put it into context as to how it is actually helping to solve the problem of cement and lime and then go from there sure well, all I was going to do was nod to a bunch of the other products because we're never going to talk about them again like wastewater and all that well, sort of like jazz. Aquacal, a solution for lake and pond water remediation booster mag an agricultural <laughs> solution for increased yield fertilizer usage insect and pest management ActiMag, a solution for phosphate removal. You know, like there's a bunch of other products that we're just not interested in. 
And, and if you're going to invest in the company, you should be interested in them. But in terms of us punching out a sharp 20-minute piece of content <laughs> of before we speak to Phil, uh, I'm not going to go... Phil's de- very interested in them, though. Is he? Oh, yeah. I would hope so. He's the CEO of the company. <laughs> yeah. But, like, um, I think... We're going to go deep on cement because that's really exciting. It's really exciting from a sustainability point of view and it's solving a big challenge that no one else seems to really be solving well, but it's not the only string to this bow. Yeah, well, I think to close that, it's that what you can be excited about as an investor is that they've invented an amazing product here, an amazing technology that can be utilised across many different industries, many different sectors. As we'll hear from Phil, like there's many still many unknowns as to how this product can help um, around the world. So Mm -hmm. as an investor, the total addressable market, the opportunity is potentially huge. So let's get into the cement industry though, because that is what is really exciting about this company for us. So let's set up the problem. Why why do we care about cement? 8% of the world's carbon emissions come from the cement industry. It's a lot. It's a, it's a, that is so much. And, and it, it's not like coal where the, you can stop using it because there's a, an alternative. A, yeah, a substitute product. Yeah. You can't, yeah. Cement's pretty important. Cement's <laughs> very important. I would say two materials that if, if I could only have two materials to build a society, cement and steel. You take <laughs> <Yeah>. everything else. <laughs> no one would. <laughs> no, nah, I could live without wood. <laughs> what is more fascinating, though, is that if you put that in comparison, that is more the, um, global emissions or carbon emissions than the global car fleet. Yeah. That's Every staggering. Every single car on the road. Staggering. Think about how hot investors get about Tesla and Lucid and Rivian, like Neo, all of those electric car companies. They're solving a big problem. Cement is a bigger problem. Look, it's a massive problem and... Given the size and, yeah, to your point, given the the interest that it gets, it's sort of mismatched. So, yeah, it's a massive opportunity to solve. Yeah, so let's go deep on cement. Okay. Uh, so the main type of cement that you see every day is called Portland cement. It's, it's been this world's standard for cement since the 19th century. So for like 200 years, Portland cement has been Not a lot cement. of innovation. Not a lot of innovation in the cement market. The key raw material for Portland cement is limestone, which releases carbon dioxide as it is heated in a cement kiln. See how it's all tying together? Kilns. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that the process of heating that limestone and re- releasing CO2 accounts for over 55% of cement-related emissions. So remembering that it's 8% of the world's carbon emissions that process of heating it in a kiln is over half, so it's a bit over four percent of the world's emissions. Yeah, yeah, comes That's from the this key kiln. Point there. Yeah, yeah. So Portland cement, ninety-eight percent of world's production. I wonder what the other two percent is. I feel like they're just being contrarian at this yeah. point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and look, there's a number of reasons why that's the case that we don't need to go into. Um, but I for some reason included a whole bunch of notes about why Portland cement won out over <laughs> other cements. So if people are really Someone interested. Someone was interested in cement. Yeah, I, I did go deep <laughs> on cement. Um, I also have a whole bunch of notes about how Portland cement is made uh, from limestone and how it goes through a kiln. Do you care about that? Well, I think it's important to tie in the kiln here because this is where um, All right, let me, Ka- Kalex uh, steps in. You ready? Yeah. The main raw, more raw material in Portland cement, usually limestone, yeah. uh, which is limestone is a sedimentary rock formed from the shells and skeletons of marine organisms over hundreds of millions of years. You got that? Yes. Okay. Uh, after being mined and crushed, limestone is combined with ground clay and fed into a rotary kiln. 
Uh, the high temperatures within the kiln, up to about f- 1,450 degrees Celsius, are achieved by burning fossil fuels, usually coal. At this temperature, the raw materials fuse into calcium silicates called clinkers. Heard of those before? No. The clinker is then ground up with other materials, mainly gypsum and sometimes additional materials such as blast furnace slag, coal fly ash or ground limestone. This produces a powder, Portland cement, which is stored in silos before being dispatched in bulk. And then, you know, when it gets to the work site, goes in the cement mixer with water, Bob's your uncle, cement in the ground. There you go. And so in that process, heating the limestone in the kiln releases uh, a lot of CO2. CO2. Also burning fossil fuels to power the kiln also produces a lot of CO2. So if we look at where calyx comes in, uh, they, when they're heating the limestone, they capture that carbon and they don't use fossil fuels to heat the kiln. Yeah, that's the key difference, I think. It's that they heat in a completely different way to your traditional kiln. The way they heat this kiln externally to the inner tube is different to a, a traditional kiln. They're not, they're not burning fossil fuels to do it. So I've got a diagram here in the notes. Alongside each of these episodes, we're doing a written write-up of these oh, companies yeah, nice. on our website. I'll include the diagram on the written write-up. Yes, nice. Should have been plugging these write-ups throughout we the series. Should but, have, yeah. Um, yeah, ex- externally heated. It can even be externally heated using electricity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they capture the CO2. So essentially the result is that they can produce cement net zero emissions. Yeah, yeah. two key sources of, fos- of emissions, the fuel used to heat the kiln and then the, what is being processed in the kiln itself. Calyx can solve both of those. Yes. That's exciting. That's exciting. really exciting. What's more exciting is there's not many other players who can offer zero carbon cement. I actually zero I, carbon Portland cement. <laughs> is it? You know what I mean? Like I think a lot of the competitors are offering like ash equivalents and. Well, <laughs> I'll get to that. So I did. I did try to find other competitors. There's a lot of like McKinsey white papers, U.S. government white mm-hmm. papers on the promise of zero carbon cement. Not a lot of companies named. To be fair, Calyx is also not named in a lot of those papers. So this is the idea of zero carbon cement is is early. But if we're thinking about competitors and the industry as a whole, there's a number of things to consider. So I I think we should say Calyx has a plant in uh, in Melbourne, Melbourne, um, Victoria, that it's definitely going to try and get down there next year. Are we? Yeah. Nice. Check it out. That would be epic. Um, Uh, and then they also have a few test facilities in Europe, um, which is pretty exciting. Uh, Europe, definitely, if you think that sustainability is the next decade's gold rush, mm, mm. you've got to be looking in Europe. Mm. So many exciting companies there. So Calyx is probably on the forefront of this, zero carbon Portland cement, but there are other options that, that could come into play here. A few to know about, so geopolymer cement. Uh, so that's cement that... I believe isn't made in a kiln uh, and it uses like fly ash, which is a byproduct from coal fired power stations, um, uh, like a byproduct from steel making. One side note, Australia has a hell of a lot of uh, fly ash just sitting around. Where about? I don't know, but yeah, I was reading, <laughs> as I was reading about this, it was, there's a lot. Yeah. So that's one. Another one is high blend cement where it's basically blended with more other materials. So it needs uh, less limestone, um, less heating in the kiln, and then its carbon intensity is reduced. Yeah. Again, not zero carbon. Then there's what Calyx does. 
But then the last one that I think is interesting and I think is very hypothetical is magnesium-based cement. Heard about this? No. So magnesium-based cement is apparently carbon negative. What, it sucks it out of the air? Yeah, so I guess in the same way that like trees are carbon negative because they take CO2, like, you know, photosynthesis takes CO2 in, release oxygen. Yeah, apparently magnesium-based cement is the same. It can be carbon negative. Pretty amazing. And I'm sure some people sitting there going, well, why aren't we doing all of these amazing things? And it's Oh, I don't know. Why aren't you doing it? Like- <laughs> well, it's, the, it's the cost. The cost of all of this is incredibly expensive. Yeah, yeah. And there's no doubt that, um, you know, we'll hear from Phil as well about the costs that are involved, like the costs of producing these, these carbon net neutral or neutral um, emissions cement. But of course, it's only going to get cheaper. I don't want to get on my high horse here and I realise we're almost at 20 minutes, but the answer to that is a carbon tax. The answer to that 10 years ago when Julia Gillard put it in was a carbon tax. Like if we want to say we want Calyx and this magnesium-based cement to be competing on a level playing field, because they are more expensive than your traditional mass-produced Portland cement full of emissions, make Portland cement manufacturers pay for the externality of releasing carbon into the atmosphere, give... Calyx the break of not having to pay because they're carbon neutral and give any magnesium-based cement manufacturer a credit because they're carbon negative. They can produce credits and sell them on the open market. Like, it's not rocket science here. It's just a lack of political will. And all of these sustainability conversations we have, we have governments, liberal governments, don't want to get political, who are so scared of taxing that they'll throw money at things rather than just letting the market allocate resources when we properly price an externality nice nice political (laughs) round (laughs) all right let's get into the financials it's not profitable ren but it is growing its revenues quite significantly 2016 did revenue of 3.4 million and now it's uh doing revenue of just shy of 20 million it's certainly making waves in the market as we said at the top here last 12 months stock price performance is up over 600 percent um, it is uh, still a micro cap. Uh, well, it's a small cap, market cap of $1.1 billion. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, not a micro. Plenty of growth opportunities. As we mentioned at the top here, we, we spoke to Phil about a couple of the main sectors that they're operating in, but he gives some great examples of how this technology is being picked up around the world and they're doing things that they never anticipated that, that would be on their sort of pipeline. Mm. So you can only imagine that this revenue number is going to continue to grow as they get better at commercialising this product and also, I guess, building more of these kilns. Yeah. But you should, if you're interested, I don't know if we'll include it in our, our write-up, but Google the kiln down in Melbourne. It's enormous. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. sizable. I guess my only question is this kiln seems to be like the silver bullet to solving a problem and obviously the product is more expensive and there's a lot of competitive stuff that they've got to go through to like get this adopted by the cement industry assuming that that's where the world is going the the big question is how protected is the intellectual property like if you and i raised a billion dollars from investors could we build a similar kiln don't know the answer yeah i would assume they've got some sort of protection you would hope you would hope or they're just doing the yolo open source it's better for if anyone picks this up it's good good for the broader economy i mean that would be that would mission. be the altruistic thing to do yeah Wouldn't well it seems that it feels like they're that type of company you will hear um and i'm, I'm the equimates community will hear that uh you did drop out of the interview based on internet problems because we were undergoing a covid test but yeah. um 
he spoke about how they operate their company and there's a lot of freedom and not a lot of governance uh, and everyone has a lot of opportunity and empowerment to to do what they like and I know you hate meetings so I hate <laughs> meetings <laughs> but, but anyway look, anyway we digress uh, yes, well we I digress. think let's use that as a segue into the interview uh, plenty we can talk about uh, obviously this company is on the edge of our circle of competence so there's probably engineers and people who know a lot more tearing their hairs out a little bit hopefully Phil will be a panacea for that because uh he is the expert in this. That's it. Well, let's take a quick break. We'll hear from our sponsors and then we'll get straight into the interview with uh, Phil Hodgson, CEO of Calyx. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. So Phil Hodgson is the managing director and CEO of Calyx. The stock ticker is uh, CXL. Phil joined Calyx in 2013 as CEO. And Phil, we're really excited about this one. Calyx has been spoken about a lot in the Equity Mates community. And we always like to start these interviews with the CEO describing their company in their own words. So, what is Calyx? Calyx uh, is a great Australian homegrown technology that is just centered around a new way to heat stuff up. It's as simple as that. It's just a new type of kiln. But because of the way we heat stuff up, we can do some really interesting things. We can separate the CO2 that comes out of the cement and lime processing when you're making cement and lime. We can make some really interesting new materials. Uh, and we're developing those materials into some really interesting spaces like batteries and, and biotech. And the kiln itself, we, we can electrically heat. So it's a way to assist industry move from fossil fuels to renewable energy. So three different sort of applications of the one core technology, which is just a new way to heat stuff up. So that's how I describe the company. <laughs> love that. New way to heat stuff up. Who would have thought that's how you would explain it? But um, love it. It's it's nice and simple. So you, you mentioned a number of different industries there and Calyx is involved across a lot, you know, energy storage and batteries, wastewater, agriculture, cement, like you've got your fingers in a lot of pies. What's the common thread that ties all of these business units together? Yeah, it's, it's, it basically boils down to, to the one core technology, which, which is our new type of kiln, new way to heat stuff up. Heating stuff up is, is an important part of uh, chemical and mineral processing and has been for, for thousands of years. And we just do it a little differently. Uh, we don't sort of throw in what you heat with how you heat it. In other words, rocks and fuel and you light a match. We separate how you heat from what you heat uh, in, a, in a big steel tube that separates the hot side, if you like, from the stuff you're trying to heat up. And that brings with it several advantages. As I mentioned, we, we can capture the CO2 when you're processing limestone to make cement or lime. 
Uh, we're not contaminating what we're heating up with flue gases and flame so we can make some really interesting and active materials and that's the basis of the battery business the water business and the biotech space and of course mm. you know because we don't care if we use flames or we, if we use electric elements like toaster elements around the outside of our tube that's the basis of the business that we're looking to develop in into renewably powered industrial processes so so the the common thread is is the core technology itself, just a, a new way to heat stuff up, as I mentioned before. Yeah, it, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, as I said, it's it's a company that has caught the attention of our community, given the you know great impacts that you're having on sustainability, which we'll touch on. So, Phil, um, can you help us understand how big the market opportunity is here? Because you know, for a lot of our equity mates community, we kind of understand the product, but we'd really like to hear you know some of the biggest products that you're working with and, and developing, how big is the total addressable market? If I take perhaps some of the markets that, that we're trying to address in turn, let's, let's look at uh, the lime and cement industry, for example. That's responsible for about 8% of global CO2 emissions uh, and two-thirds of those emissions are coming, coming from the rock that they use, the limestone. Uh, and our technology is really about separating that CO2 that's coming out of the rock now, the biggest kiln we've built to date is a sort of pilot facility in uh, in Germany, uh, sorry, in Belgium with Heidelberg Cement, and we're building a fourfold scale-up of that in Germany with, with Heidelberg Cement as well. Now, if I multiply that again by another four, that's separating half a million tonnes of CO2 from a full-scale cement plant. We're in the process of scaling that up. To give you an idea of the market size, we'll need to build one of those plants every three days from now to 2050 to decarbonise the cement lime industry. So, so wow. that gives you, I guess, an idea of the size of the problem that that industry faces, but also the size of the market opportunity. And so that's just cement and lime. We recently announced the application of our, our new kiln to look at steel and iron and decarbonisation of steel and iron. Uh, now, uh, cement and lime are responsible for eight percent of global emissions. Steel and iron are responsible for seven. You know the the sort of metrics are similar. Uh, it's just an enormous problem uh, that those industries face with respect to their CO two emissions, and obviously a, a huge opportunity for a company like ours. And then I haven't even touched sort of batteries and and, and water and these sorts of things. Um, just in the battery industry space, I think most people will be familiar with the, the electric vehicle thematic. Uh, I think the IEA's latest report just released suggests that the battery market will grow to $850 billion by 2050 wow. as the, the global fleet electrifies. All of the stuff that we're doing is really trying to target more sustainable solutions and, and funny enough, those sorts of sustainable solutions have, have very big potential markets as the, as the globe decarbonizes. Yeah, the cement industry is one of the really exciting parts that, you know, we get um, sort of pumped up about given how much it contributes to global emissions and the impact that you guys can have on that. How's the industry received your new technology? Like, is it, what's the dynamic like competing against the cheaper sort of carbon emitting alternatives? It's interesting. When we first came up with uh, the idea to use our kiln to, to decarbonise cement and lime, uh, that was around 2014. There wasn't a lot of interest developing that in Australia. So we went overseas. We engaged with the likes of uh, Heidelberg Cement and, and Semex. And those guys 
were listening at that point. They, they weren't acting quick. They were listening. And it was finding a couple of champions in those industries to start to work with us to help mitigate their CO2 risk, even in those early phases. Fast forward to today, uh, those companies are now committing to net zero CO2 by 2050 and setting themselves some pretty ambitious targets by 2030. And so the engagement with those initial interested parties has now widened quite considerably. And it's not just the people who we're working with, but we're getting inquiries coming in from all over the world, from all sorts of different cement and lime companies on how to decarbonise their industry and what to do about it. When we talk about then a solution like ours competing with status quo, let's call that the standard sort of heavy carbon emitting uh, cement and lime industries, I don't think any of those companies can, can seriously believe that any more could they continue business as usual. Mm. And really over the last 12 to 24 months, that, that has really come home to roost. Apart from big companies pledging net zero, the reality of having carbon tariffs and these sorts of things, not necessarily taxes, tariffs in place for importing and exporting goods means that any company uh, who wants to operate on the international stage has to look at decarbonisation efforts. So cheaper, business as usual, carbon emitting alternatives uh, are becoming a thing of the past. Mm -hmm. And so what we've got to do is really have the, the lowest cost technology that we can possibly get available to help these industries transition. So you've developed or invented this kiln that heats things in different ways um, or heats things differently, as you said, and allows you to separate the sort of the CO2 and the emissions components. And, you know, we see that you spend or invest a fair bit into research and development as well. How do you go about finding um, the next use case for the kiln? Like you've got a, you know, a fair few industries that you're sort of playing in at the moment, but how do you go about pushing this technology even broader? Yeah, very good question. It, it, it's a bit of a combination of, of inbound inquiries along with obviously our own internal sort of knowledge and, and research on, on where we could apply it next. Some of the inbound inquiries we get, especially around the ability of the kiln to be electrically heated, have really surprised us. We were approached and, in fact, have put together a, a solution with a Swedish company who are looking at dehydrating a salt, believe it or not, in summer, and then combining that salt with water in winter to provide heat and town heating. And they were having a lot of trouble finding the right type of kiln to dehydrate their salt in the summer. And, and they came to us and, and uh, we're developing a pilot project in Sweden with these guys now. So a lot of wow. stuff actually comes in, <laughs> which, is, uh, which is really interesting. But uh, the other thing, of course, is, is you know, we, we, we uh, have a look at where the technology could be applied as just a heating step. So we look at all sorts of different processes and how they heat and whether our kiln could be applicable to that process. That's another way we, we sort of do it. Uh, and then thirdly, remember I was talking about that, those highly active materials that we can produce in our kiln. If we want to make uh, sort of looking at batteries or, or biotech space, essentially we go to the, to the research history on what's called nanoparticles. We don't make nanoparticles. We make them a 1,000 times bigger. But because ours are so um, – they're not contaminated by flames and gas and they're quite porous. They're like a honeycomb structure. We look at where nanoparticles – 
research has gone in the last 10 years and, and see if we can make some interesting micro particles, something a thousand times bigger, but, but having very high porosity emulate some of those nano properties. So they're the three different areas, I guess, that we use to, to provide, you know, the next idea or next application of the technology. Wow. Fascinating. There's just so much good stuff happening there and so much going on. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's uh, no wonder that, um, it's sort of making waves in the equity mates community, what you're doing now. We're asking every CEO that we talk to, um, about sustainability, but obviously this is core to your mission. Um, yep. And it's summed up no better than one of our favorite taglines for a business that we've ever come across, which is Mars is for quitters. <laughs> Bang on the front page of the website. Can you tell us about that tagline and how that sort of directs your team? Yeah, look, in the end, that, that tagline was was thought up by our team. We, we were trying to work out um, how we could sort of communicate the message that our, that our technology we're developing uh, to solve some global challenges. It really is a sustainable uh, sustainable business-driven company. And one of our engineers jokingly came up while we were discussing, well, Elon Musk does it so well, you know, he just has a picture of Mars and that's what SpaceX is all about. <laughs> and he just said, oh, well, why don't we just have Mars is for quitters? We all had a huge laugh and uh, and then we thought, hang on a minute, that, that's actually quite good. And, you know, it's a bit of Aussie <laughs> humour, but it actually has a serious message under underneath it that really sort of says what it is that we're about. So that's where it's come from. And because it's come from our staff and, and come from uh, the way that we engage our staff, they're all owners in the business, oh, nice. it really does encapsulate uh, the spirit, I guess, of, of what the company's all about. That I guess hopefully explains uh, where that catchphrase comes from and, and why it drives us. Yeah, Phil, it's awesome. Mars is for quitters. If uh, if you're listening, go and have a, a look at the website and you'll see what we're talking about. But um, don't change that. Whatever you do, that's a great one. So one thing that uh, Alec and I have come to understand from a lot of the expert investors that we've spoken to is the importance of understanding management when you're thinking about investing in publicly listed companies. And uh, often it's very difficult for us to get access directly to management, which is partly why we're doing these interviews to hear straight from the CEO and, and other leaders. But how do you think about leadership as a CEO? What sort of drives you and how do you think about building and creating a, a team that is capable of taking Calyx beyond or well, beyond Mars. <laughs> yeah, no, look, it's, it's, it's such a hugely important question because, you know, if I have a look at uh, how many technologies fail, and they don't fail necessarily because they're bad technologies, uh, they often fail because um, they, maybe they didn't have a great deal of luck, but then again, you, you so often create your own luck. So ultimately, if it's a good technology, um, a lot of the reason uh, that you either succeed or fail comes down to the team. And I talk about the team because I encourage each member of the team to be leaders it's not necessarily that there's one leader in the business and uh, and everyone follows so we've got a small enough team that i want each person to develop their leadership capability and so that's a very important part of the culture that that we have we don't have time for rules and procedures and, and things that just tend to tie up big companies in knots. I used to work for a big company, so I know exactly what I'm talking about there. We have enough for <laughs> governance, but we don't have, you know, we trust our people and that's important. And the second piece to, to this is, you know, I believe right from the start that every single person working for Calix is an owner in the company. And so we've had uh, employee share schemes there from the start. When I'm standing there in front of my staff, they're actually my boss into some way. 
that goes to everything uh, that we that we do and we think about. We've got to challenge each other. No one's got the, the sort of uh, rights to being right. You know, no person's 100% correct in anything. And so mm. giving them ownership and giving them, you know, encouraging their leadership development is about making sure that every voice is heard in the company, which is which is really important. Mm. You know, when you talk about leadership, that that's what it means to me. It's the team. It's everyone stepping up to be a leader that's important. Yeah, I love that. We, um, we both came from corporates as well, so... I certainly understand the difference in dynamic between that and then, yeah, trying to build a small team that feels empowered and, and can make their sort of own decisions. So love that. So Phil, to close out, um, again, we ask all of our CEOs this question and it is, if you think about Calix in 10 years time, what does success look like for you? If I look back to when I joined Calix in 2013, uh, I think we did our first capital raise at a 10 million dollar company valuation and where we're at today and i'm not saying that valuation is is the is the metric of success but it's really interesting to see that the market is is now seeing the company mm. and assessing its potential um given its track record of, of, of progressing uh the commercialization journey across different lines of business uh, and so obviously it's a, a much more substantial market cap today in 10 years' time, uh, the company had better have realised that potential. It should have the best and lowest cost solution for decarbonisation of, of cement and lime. It has every chance of doing the same thing for steel earlier days, but it has every chance of having the same impact. It's the core technology in, in, in areas like batteries, advanced batteries and biotech. Again, is early days, but uh, the potential there is that any one of these businesses um, have the potential to, to be very substantial, multi-billion-dollar businesses, which is why we're why we're pursuing them, why we're pursuing them all. People go, well, why don't you just concentrate mm. on one? Well, I, I mean, the, the, the opportunity is so big, and the need is great. You know, the global challenges down each of those lines of business we're developing is great as well. And so, ten years time, I want to see each of those businesses having having uh, succeeded, having established themselves as, as best available technology you know, changing the battery landscape, changing the biotech landscape uh, and obviously the, the decarbonisation landscape. Certainly in 10 years' time, Calix will will not be just a, a company known to perhaps equity mates and, and a few and a few uh, <laughs> keen investors. But I think Alan Kohler even mentioned, maybe it was a bit more than a year no ago, way. but he, he thought if, if, we, could, if we, we could succeed in what we're trying to achieve, we'd, we'd be the CSL of industrial processes. Wow, um, wow. So I'd love to fulfil Alan's uh, prophecy. There you go. <laughs> that would be amazing. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm really excited to see to see the, the progression and growth of um, – of the company over the next few years. I think it's amazing what you guys have built and the true impact that you can have on, on such, you know, two massive industries, cement and, and steel and, and uh, the impact that those industries have on global emissions. Yeah, it's, it's an awesome success story here in Australia and we kind of wish you all the best. And I know a lot of our community here at Equity Mates um, think the same and would have taken a lot of value from listening to you today, Phil. So thank you very much and we appreciate your time. Oh, thanks very much for having me on. I, I never tire of talking about Calix. <laughs> so Ren, uh, look, really enjoyable interview with Phil. Um, there's no doubt what they're doing is is incredible and, and we're both pretty excited about it and I know that a lot of our community members are as well. So uh, as he said at the top of the show, there is going to be a write-up with a bit of a diagram as to what the kiln looks like, how it all works. Head across to our website for that. And also uh, a reminder that this summer series is brought to you by Superhero, 
who allow you to buy Aussie and US shares and ETFs with no monthly account fees. And you can now earn Qantas points with Superhero. So visit superhero.com.au slash Qantas to learn more. Eligibility criteria, terms and conditions and fees and charges apply. Head across to our Instagram page for your chance to win $1,000 in a superhero wallet uh, just by dropping one of your favorite facts from this episode into the corresponding post on Instagram. And we've only got two more episodes to go. We've got Airbnb coming up next, one of our favorite companies over in the States, and then we'll be closing out uh, with a local Australian hero. So stick with us and we'll uh, pick it up in next episode. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of Equity Mates. We love hearing from you. So drop us a line at contact at equitymates.com or even better, go to your podcast player and leave a five-star review. Also, a reminder that the Equity Mates content train doesn't stop when you've run out of episodes to binge. We've got a brand new website, a Facebook discussion group. We're on Instagram, YouTube, and slowly making our way as an influencer on TikTok. Well, that's Ren. So uh, come and say hello and join the community. We'd love to welcome you. Until next time. Equity Mates Investing Podcast is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. Equity Mates gives listeners access to information and educational content provided by a range of financial service professionals. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Equity Mates Investing Podcast are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Equity Meets Media does not operate under an Australian financial services license and relies on the exemption available under the Corporations Act 2001 in respect of any information or advice given. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast or video. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equity Mates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equity Mates Media and the hosts of Equity Mates Investing Podcast acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today.